Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord God, as we open your word, um, pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears to see what you have for us, to hear what you might say to us. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Welcome to St. Bart's. Um, My name is Chris Myers. I'm one of the priests here. And today is, if you haven't picked up on it, Trinity Sunday. Lots of fathers, sons, and Holy Spirits all over the place. And there's more coming your way, so just just a word of warning as we dive into this. Um, So last week was Pentecost. And the Sunday before that, we celebrated the Ascension, and that was all within the context of the season of Easter. And over the course of these last 50 days or so, we have these amazing feasts and these moments when we step back and we acknowledge who God is and what God has done. And Trinity Sunday really is a capstone to all of that, because it's when we step back and say, well, who is this God? Who is this God that has created us, who has redeemed us, who has sent his son, the word become flesh to dwell among us, this son who dies for us, is buried for us, raised for us, ascends for us, and pours out his spirit upon us. Who is he? What is he like? And Trinity Sunday really is a bridge into the rest of the church calendar, which we call ordinary time, which is the season of green the season of growth, when we meditate on who God is and who he's asked us to be in light of who he is. So I want to um, solve the Trinity for you today. Not, not quite. Um, but I do want to meditate on three points for Trinity Sunday. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I want actually to use a verse from our psalm as kind of a guide. Psalm 150, verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him for his excellent greatness. What that poetic line does for us is it draws together who God is and what God does. God's actions and God's character, his essence, his being. Praise him for his mighty acts, who he is, or what he's done, Praise him for his excellent greatness, who he is. And really, if we can hang on to that one thought, that God's action and his character are undivided, then that takes us a long way to understanding, not understanding in the true sense of being able to explain every detail of it, but it takes us into the heart of the mystery of the Trinity that who God is and what he does are undivided. So if we want to know who God is, we look at what he has done. This is the hint that Jesus gives us throughout his ministry. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. I and the father are one. If you have seen me, Jesus, you have seen the father. There is a unity between them. 
the Father and Son distinct and yet unified somehow. So if you want to know what God is like, look at what he does. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. And that brings us to our gospel passage because this moment you know, that we call the Great Commission, this is when Jesus commissions his people, commissions us, and tells us what it is that we're about as his people. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he gives them this mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That name becomes the identity of God for the Christian, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it becomes the name by which we are identified. So that's point number one, identity. Trinity and the identity. Identity on two levels, our identity and God's identity. What does God in Christ ask us to do? To baptize them, immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To be baptized, to be united to Christ and his church is to take on a new name. It's to take on a new identity. It's to be called into a new way of being. The great image from the Old Testament that the New Testament uses to talk about baptism is passing through the Red Sea. That just as Israel was delivered from slavery and they passed through the Red Sea, and those waters came and crashed down on all their enemies, drowning that life of death, that life of slavery, and they moved into a new place, a new way of being, a new identity. That's what baptism shows us, does for us. We are immersed into a new identity, and we take on the family name of this new family that we're a part of, and that family name is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of adoption, that the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts, overflows from our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, that by the Spirit we come to pray through the work of Jesus Christ to our Heavenly Father. The Spirit of adoption is in us, and that is part of our new identity. We are part of God's family now. We've been given a new name, we've been taken to a new place, into a new realm, into a new way of being with this new identity. Trinity and identity go together, and so it is with God's identity. The name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a singular name. Baptize them in the name, not the names. God's name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the Christian. Which takes me to the second point is Trinity, the relationship between Trinity and worship and prayer. If you're paying attention to the script that I totally forgot we had when I didn't pray earlier, if only we had a script of things to say and when to say them, it'd be so helpful. You may have noticed that every dimension of our service is shot through with that Trinitarian language, with that name. From the opening acclamation, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to our closing benediction at the end, when I bless you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
at the bookends and throughout, we invoke that name of God. To worship as the church is to gather in the name of the triune God, to worship him, to know him, and to be transformed by him. After the psalm, we always say the Gloria Patri, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning. It's always been. It is now and always will be. This is who God is. And it's who we worship and it's who invites us into his presence so that we can be transformed into his image and likeness. Another way to say it is that lots of people pray. Lots of, most peoples in most times and places have had some version of prayer. What makes Christian prayer distinctive is that we pray to the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. When his disciples asked him how to pray, Jesus said, you pray to the Father. But you do so, we come to learn, through the work and merit of Jesus Christ, and we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit because he has poured out his Spirit on all flesh. One of our values, if you flip back in the back of our bulletin, is the value of mystery. It's on page 10, but I'll read it to you. Um, How do you value mystery? That seems weird. Um, And what do we mean by mystery? We don't mean that we just wave our hands at it and say, well, we can't say anything meaningful about it. Um, We also don't mean it's like a mystery novel that once you know who done it, you don't need to read the book anymore. It's not that kind of mystery either. It's mystery in the sense that you can say meaningful things about it, but not comprehend it, or apprehend it, or wrap your arms around it. And the image that I often use is the idea of a fathom. So if you say something is fathomless, it doesn't have a bottom. A fathom is literally the span of your arms. That's the measurement. So the idea with a mystery is it's fathomless. You cannot put your arms around it. But the image of the ocean is instructive because you can swim in it, even if you can't get to the bottom of it. So listen to the way that we put it in the values. Through the redeeming love of the Son and the life-giving power of the Spirit, the Father calls us deeper into the divine love. Salvation is a Trinitarian action. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together in concert, in complete unity, to draw his people to himself. Then the key verb here is participate. We participate in this holy mystery through worship and community, through word and sacrament, and through the grace-charged gift of creation itself. How do you value mystery? You participate in it. You swim in the reality that it is. Not by explaining it fully, not by wrapping your arms around it, comprehending it, apprehending it, but by participating in it. And the means by which we participate is worship itself. Gathering in his name, singing his name, being in community with one another, hearing his word, eating at his table, and even creation as the creation of a gift to us from a triune God. We come to know him through his creation. The mystery of the Trinity is the fundamental mystery that makes the sense of everything else. If you allow for this one mystery, the scriptures unfold to us. Our identity in Christ unfolds to us. 
And more than that, it shows us the worship, worship is our end. It's what we're made for. It's who we are, is to be worshipers. And that's what I love about the collect for today on page two. What does it say about the Trinity? First of all, that we need grace to confess this true faith. It's a hard idea. One God, three persons. That doesn't make any sense. We need your grace in order to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of divine majesty to worship the unity. Not just to understand something, but to worship. That's the goal, that's the end. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship. And then here's the real goal. Bring us at the last to see you in your one and eternal glory. The goal of the human life is to behold God. That's why our mission statement is behold and become. We were made to behold God and to be transformed into his image and likeness. And that is where God is taking us, to behold him, to look upon his face, bring us at the last to see you in your one and eternal glory. O oh, Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our worship is saturated with this Trinitarian language because we forget. And we got to get hit over the head with it over and over and over again. Who is God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is he like? He's the one who saves us. He's the one who wants to make us more like him. A holy God who wants us to be his holy people. And that brings us to the third point which is the relationship between Trinity and mission. We talked a lot last week during Pentecost about mission. Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit would be poured out upon them. He said the reason that the Spirit is coming is so that you might be my witnesses. I'm going to clothe you with power from on high so that you might declare to Jerusalem and Samaria and to Judea and to the ends of the earth that Jesus Christ is risen, that he is Lord. That's the mission. Remember our psalm. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. We know the excellent greatness of God because of his mighty acts. It's not just that God gives us a mission. It's that God is on mission himself. When he, the minute he created... <laughs> if you can even talk about it as a minute that he created. When God created the earth, he also committed to saving it, to redeem it. And the way that he redeems it is that he joins it. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. The father begets the son. The son is the eternal word of God. But he becomes flesh and dwells among us. Why? To show us what God is like. His mighty acts show us his excellent greatness. Christ was on a mission. The Spirit comes to empower us for mission. And it can be summed up in this idea that we know who God is because he has gone on a mission to make himself known to us. We are wholly dependent upon God to make himself known to us. 
We can't ascend to him. This is what we talked about last week. The human heart wants to ascend to God, to make our way up to him. It's what we do at Babel. We want to get to God. And God descends. He comes to us. He comes to us in the word made flesh. He comes to us in the spirit. God in his mercy, in his excellent greatness, descends to us. The triune God does not hold on to himself. But in the overflow and the abundance of who he is, we have creation, we have redemption, and we have his determination to make himself known. He's given us his word. He's given us the witness of the saints through the ages. He's given us his spirit. And Jesus summed all this up for his disciples on the night before he died when he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The Father has sent the Son on mission. We are joined to the Son, and we are given the same mission. That's that great two-letter word in the Great Commission, go. I have all authority in heaven and earth, now go. Declare my name, baptize people in that name, invite them into who I am, and what I have done. There's this three-letter phrase, three-word phrase, in the letter of 1 John. It's the most profound thing that we can say about God. God is love. God is love. Not that God is loving, not that God, though of course God is loving, but God is in his very being love. What does that mean? That he exists in relationship with himself as a relationship of love. Father loving the son, the spirit is the bridge and bond of love between them. That's what we're immersed into, that God is love. That's what we're invited into, that's what we participate in, and that's the good news that we have to share, that God is love that he is perfect loving relationship within himself, yet in the joyful overflow of that goodness and love, he did not hold on to himself, but created and redeemed and calls us to himself, and not just calls us to himself, but calls us by his name. We are immersed into the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If I said Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enough, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> But if you can just take away that one thought, that who he is is what he does. His mighty acts reveal his excellent greatness. We know who he is by what he does. And if we want to know what he's done, we look to the cross. That God does not hold on to himself. That in Christ, the word poured himself out, taking the form of a slave, went all the way down into humility, even death on a cross. And because he's done that, Paul tells us, that's why he has the name above every name. Or as Matthew puts, or Jesus puts it in Matthew, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Why? Because before I ascended, I descended. Before I lorded it over you, I came and dwelled among you as the word become flesh. That's the news that we have to share. That's the identity we've been given to. That's what shapes our worship as Christians, and it's the mission that we have to share.
And because I've probably committed some light heresy this morning, we are going to say the creed, and that will be our response. Because this is not just something that I came up with by reading the Bible by myself. This is the faith of the church. This is the faith that men and women fought and died for to codify in this creed so that we can stand together and confess with the church throughout time and space that this is the God we believe in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's stand together and let's say the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, a light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third dead, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.